Here's to your success in property, finance and money management. You're listening to The Long Property Show with your hosts, Daniel Gold and Patrick Lynch. G'day, welcome back to The Long Property Show. I'm Dan Gold. And I'm Patrick Lynch. And uh, today, Patty, turning no's into yeses. Um, this will be a good one. Uh, yeah, it's, it might sound like we're going to say how wonderful we are, Dan, but it's probably more about what you need to know when you're going into a loan application, correct? Yeah, and in particular, for people that are kind of comparing different loan products and banks to, to use, beyond just the obvious things that, that are readily available on the internet when you're doing comparisons, i.e. the interest rates and the fees and charges, how might, for example, the credit policy at a particular bank dictate whom could be a suitable um, lender for you to choose? And also even further uh, nuance around even just the people that you're dealing with, um, both internally at the bank and, and whomever else you might be using to obtain the finance, how, how they can be helpful or unhelpful at the same time. Yeah, and I think we've got some great examples, Dan, for both of those scenarios. Do you want to maybe start with that second one? So how it's important who you go to? 100%. So um, uh, just for context and to the listeners, Patty and I just kind of selected five recent case studies that came to mind over the last maybe six to eight weeks, um, all of which present examples of um, clients that have come to us um, in need of help because whomever they dealt with previously um, had, had given them a no, can't help you. And, and we um, thankfully managed to, to get their loans approved, be it either at the same bank that they were previously dealing with or others. And uh, obviously, just for the purpose of confidentiality, we're not going to mention anyone's names. It's purely just going to be um, high level and anonymous around um, you know, what actually transpired. Okay. So, um, yeah, Patty, if you want to confuse me here by going out of order, I guess I can start with number two. <laughs> uh, I was thinking number one, uh, our client who went to NAB, who she'd been with for, was it 20 years or so? Uh, maybe I misheard you. I thought you wanted me to start with number two. Yeah. So, so yes, um, case study number one, client who went to NAB um, and uh, she had banked with NAB for 20 years. Um I wouldn't say it was an overly complex scenario, but um, it was an example of um, a self-employed applicant with trust distributions. And who knows, maybe that the person that she dealt with initially um, wasn't particularly familiar with with um, that type of uh, income and, and loan scenario and had said no. Um, we looked at it and had seen, you know, very similar structures many times prior. Um, and that wasn't too difficult, Patty. We, we just kind of put it through our standard um, channels and, and I suppose explained the, the nature of these trust distributions coherently in our, our detailed credit memorandum to the bank and it, and it got approved quite effortlessly. Yeah, was that one done where we workshopped before submitting the application? Uh, with that one, we actually didn't need to because, um, you know, there was nothing there that I was worried about. You know, I fr- from what the client had initially told me, um, I kind of put two and two together that either it wasn't just kind of positioned um, in, in the way that I m- might have positioned it or um, the person that she was dealing with, like I mentioned, may, may not have been um, as familiar with these types of deals. 
So no, I, I didn't even feel that it warranted the upfront clarification. It was all within policy and, and quite straightforward. So um, yeah, we just we just kind of went full steam ahead and, and got the result. Client was really pleased and ended up buying a property. And it, it's just, you know, when I was putting this, just these bullet points together for the purpose of this chat, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what would have happened had she not kind of just gone to somebody else for the second opinion? It legitimately could have been the difference between her buying a property or not buying a property. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe just that purchase is extremely meaningful in the context of just her financial and, and, and personal life. You know, like it's it's really, it's it's really, it's a big deal. Yeah, we deal with big amounts, but not just big amounts, big personal circumstances so buying a property is probably the biggest thing that many people will ever do yep yeah absolutely so um would you like me to go to number two now patty yeah i think go to number two i mean number two down to my recollection again it was something that from an income point of view quite straightforward but i think the issue that we had here was mostly servicing was that right yeah yeah so the income itself quite um quite easy to interpret and black and white there, were, there there was no real um you know confusion around what numbers the bank would or wouldn't expect oh sorry accept but um beyond just the 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 straightforward serviceability calculation which you know is common been around for many years and we, we deal with it all, all the time i'm finding that um even just in the context of straightforward residential lending a lot of banks are starting to look at a second metric uh, called DTI, or well, there, there are different names and acronyms for it, but, but the essence is um, what level of debt is the client taking on relative to their income? So debt to income ratio or, or, or you know, loan to income ratio. And um, with this one, uh, it was on the higher side. And um, I think with the initial bank that um, we had uh, been pre-approved with and the clients had, had, um, had got some confidence with, they, they actually pulled out due to this um, this this high second metric, so it came to uh, you know back to the drawing board and um, ultimately there was a second funder whom was less sensitive about that issue, um, and hence we, we we got the approval and the clients went on to to buy the property in a in a pretty relaxed manner. You know? And and what changes then were needed to get that approval? You mentioned a different lender. Were there any other changes that you had to perform? So. Um, in this particular example, Patty, there weren't, but um, it's often, oftentimes in these scenarios where there can be. So um, it just so happened that with this new lender that we dealt with, um, less sensitive about the whole DTI aspect, and hence everything was within policy, no, no questions asked, tick of approval, just I, I suppose goes to show the benefit of having, you know, multiple options and, and not being confined to, to only, you know, one or, or a small number of banks. But um what I found with this DTI thing, because it's a little bit unclear, and, and what I mean by unclear or ambiguous is, you know, there might be a, a range um, or a threshold above which the banks get a little bit nervous around the DTI. For example, if the debt to income ratio is above six times, then it's, it's technically outside policy and can only be approved by way of exception. And therefore, in order, in order to overcome an exception like that, it's really up to the client and or their advisor to put forward a case to credit as to why they believe the deal should be approved. 
uh, and and this exception granted, right? So you might look to talk about, for example, I'm just making this up now, but you know the the, the bonus income is is stable and ongoing because they've had a, a long history at, at that particular employer, or you know uh, the deal is is comfortably passing servicing, um, and we you know we've ignored such and such an income for simplicity. You know they're just two easy examples that come to mind. Um, you know. Or, or uh, you know, even, hey, we're using the lower of the last two years bonus income, but, you know, um, that's kind of not really indicative of, of where this deal sits because the lower year was only, you know, the client working seven months in their first year of employment at the company. You know, the, 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 those kind of things just can give the bank a little bit more comfort and confidence. Um, and, and they've worked for us many times before when, when kind of, uh, you know, selling a deal or, or positioning it well to, to get the outcome that we're all looking for. And I, that's definitely right on the income side, Dan. And then obviously on the debt side, the other part of it is maybe the client has credit card limits that they don't need as much and you can reduce the debt side that way. So we, we, we're always there to assist clients to get it done. 100%. 100%. So uh, number three, this was a, a real win. I, I, I really enjoyed working on this file. It was one of the, the more complex income scenarios that I'd seen. Um, and, you know, just for context, we had lots of things going on. There was a self-employed applicant who over the last three or four years had had two children. And um, after the first child, there was obviously a period of maternity leave. Um, and then when the, when the female applicant went back to work, she went, went back to work on a part-time basis, call it um, three and a half days per week. Then um, she had the second baby and took a second round of maternity leave, which was for um, you know, a slightly longer period of time. And then when she returned, she returned on a different number of days per week. <laughs> so we kind of had like five different periods of time, all of which were reflecting totally different sets of um, earnings for this female applicant. And it was, you know, like pre the first child, maternity leave one, you know, post mat leave two, and then post again, that kind of thing. And it was just extremely difficult for any mainstream funder to get their head around, um, you know, what income figure to adopt for serviceability. It's not as easy as just saying, hey, let's use the current earnings because we're only kind of nine months into this financial year. So we don't have that fully documented, which would normally be required as a bare minimum for a self-employed client. Um, so, you know, the question came, could we annualize out what she's currently earning? Could we map that back against, you know, different years where, where she's earned, you know, um, well, where, where she was at least working in, in a similar um, kind of capacity? None of those things were possible. So what we ended up doing was we um, took this to a funder who offered a, uh, an alt-doc loan, as it's called. Some listeners might be familiar with the, the term uh, low-doc, which really just means that for a situation like this where the income is very complicated and we can't conform to that standard credit policy, which typically requires two full years of financials and tax returns um, to meet policy, we, we can ultimately rely on different forms of income verification. In this case, there were some bank statements combined with um, uh, two certifications on um, uh, current income, one delivered by the client um, in addition to, you know, they brought a financial standing and the second was an income verification confirmed by the accountant. Um, and with those, those three 
uh, uh, pieces of documentation. Often it can be combined with BAS statements as well. We were able to get the full loan amount for the client and yeah, they were really pleased. Um, and I should just add there, Patty, normally, uh, you know, these alt or no doc loans can come with very high interest rates. Just for the listener's um, perspective, uh, we got this done at 2.99% P&I for a home loan. You know, what's that? Maybe 50 basis points off where some of the, the more aggressively priced banks are. So that's not particularly expensive at all. No, and it, it helps the clients through, as you say, a very inconsistent time for their income. And perhaps in a few years' time when they get that consistency back, if they are wedded to a lower rate, then the option's there at that stage. 100%. A, a very common strategy for anyone you know, applying for these types of loans is to refinance back to a mainstream and, and cheaper funder when, when they can. And, and that was definitely part of our discussion. But yeah, great outcome for the client. They're really happy. And you know, I should add, you know, there are some banks that are taking three or four weeks to actually deliver an approval. We got that one turned around in two days. Yep. And not, not just so, deliver an approval, get the whole thing through to documents issued, etc. Yep. Uh, yep. Very good. Exactly. So we, we might skip on number four down and come back to it because given this recent example was about self-employed, I think it would be good to go on to number five and another client who was transitioning from an employee page, a PAYG employee to self-employed, which again meant their income scenario was not straightforward. Yeah, this was also a huge win and I was really excited about this one. So Again, for, for context, um, you know, this, this person was a medical professional. And um, like you say, Patty, they were previously just working in a hospital, PAYG, but they'd since transitioned to private practice. Um, normal uh, self-employed policy, as I mentioned earlier, would, would be looking at the last two years of financials and tax returns. Clearly not possible in this case because the client had only been self-employed really for, for seven or eight months. Um, this client came to me because um, a previous mortgage broker uh, attempted to get them a loan and um, they were rejected. He, he got referred to us and, and they asked us for a second opinion. Um, I guess some of the challenges here were twofold. One was, you know, we, we often work with medic, like specialist medico teams or funders that, that, that have credit policies designed for doctors in scenarios like this, noting that that scenario that I've just described, Patty, is not actually uncommon for a doctor. Uh, we, you know, we see this actually quite regularly. Um, we, we, we couldn't go down that path, unfortunately, because this um, specific uh, specialization was not classified as, as, as conforming to the, the Medico kind of requirements. So uh, we couldn't do that. But what we ended up doing was um, just basically positioning the deal uh, in conjunction with what they'd earned previously under that salaried role. And because of what we were asking for in the context of the new land wasn't out of kilter with what they'd earned previously, you know, in the, in the salaried environment, the bank ultimately got comfortable with it and, and did the deal. And that was a mainstream funder. We didn't have to go to any kind of non, non-bank lenders with, 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 with kind of, uh, you know, possibly more lenient policies or anything. It was, it was done by one of the big four. No, another great win for the clients there. It was. And, and you know, they went on to buy, uh, wouldn't have been able to otherwise had they, you know, given up or taken the first, um, you know, result just um, and, and, and kind of ran with it. So, yeah, obviously really delighted. And, you know, like these guys have 
three children and, and um, you know, this is buying a family home. It's just such a big deal for them. So, you know, it, I, it just gives us a, a sense of, um, you know, fulfillment when you can genuinely help people and have such, such, such impactful kind of changes. But hey, Patty, that's probably skewing a little bit more towards the um, pat on the back, which we promised we wouldn't, we wouldn't allow ourselves. So True. sorry. Let, let's stop there then move on to our final example. So this is one done probably a lot of people won't be familiar with that lenders might have um, restrictions on where they want their borrowers to be buying property. Yeah, I love this one because the, the client here was actually, well, I, I said I wouldn't um, uh, name specifics, so I'll, I'll be careful here. The, the, the client was basically an employee of one of the big four um, and the big four banks. And, and often when that's the case, they, um, they can get a couple of benefits. Some, some banks offer them, other banks don't. In this case, I think it was just a matter of had he got the loan through his employer, he would have avoided the $395 annual fee. Yeah, not bad. Um, but also I think he just felt comfortable and loyal to that bank, you know, to go through the process. Um, this, this particular application involved um, a lawyer so we were dealing with the no lenders mortgage insurance policy that can be available to certain lawyers in certain scenarios. This one ticked all of the boxes, but the actual um, postcode where they were buying was a specific New South Wales postcode. And the, um, the male applicant's employer actually, um, you know, in their fine print, meant that they had excluded the LMI waiver policy from being eligible in this postcode. So that was a knockout. We had to go to a different bank, still got the um, LMI waiver, still got the exact same loan amount that they were after approved, but uh, we, we got it, uh, no issues with the postcode, and we saved the clients $20,000 in insurance. Yep, twenty thousand dollars in insurance, as well as having to put less less of their own cash into the purchase. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, amazing outcome, and uh, yeah, clients couldn't have been happier. So, Patty, do you want to just try and pull this all together, and maybe just try and you know close with with what are the key takeaways from from those five examples? Yeah, well, we we won't say the first key takeaway is how wonderful we are. We'll skip over that one. Uh, but the big takeaways really are, as you said at the start, Dan, it's about going to the right person who, if you go to a branch, all they can tell you is their bank's products. They don't have access, as we do, to dozens of lenders. Uh, they don't have our breadth of experience when it comes to income scenarios or security scenarios. And so it's important that you have the right people on your professional team when you're going for lending. Yeah, love it. And the only final point that I'd add to that, in those five examples that we gave, some, uh, our listeners will recall, I mentioned, you know, language around it was completely within credit policy. And there were others that may have been slightly outside whereby we needed a policy exception. Okay. When we require exceptions like that, we ultimately need to position something or sell something to the bank and have them kind of agree to our you know, um, our argument or our story or, or our, um, our, our proposition, right? And um, that's where I think relationships can be so important. And I, I didn't really kind of mention any of this earlier, but if I've got to sell something to a bank, it really helps if I'm selling it to somebody 
whom we've worked with for six years, who we know, we trust, they trust us, they like our deals, they, they know we're, we're good operators, they, they want to try and help our clients, right? That's a lot different from going to an unknown lender that we've never dealt with before. We don't know any of their, uh, you know, credit policies well enough, let alone their actual people. Um, it's just going to be um, a lot less likely that we'll get a favorable outcome in a scenario like that. So I think any listener out there, any borrower who is is after a good outcome might be well served dealing with people who have good relationships at the, the various lenders that they're, they're, they're trying to get funding from. Yeah, well said. All right. I think we'll leave it there for this week. Hopefully there was some good takeaways and um, thanks for everyone for their time. Let's, uh, let's reconnect soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Long Property Show. If you have any questions for Dan or Patty, you can email hi at longproperty.com.au and they'll respond within 24 hours. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and also leave us a review. This way we can continue bringing you the best weekly content possible. See you again next week. Bye for now.